What is up, everybody? That was weird. Um, it wasn't showing that I was live, so I cut my uh, my feed. But welcome to the channel. Um, it's going to be a good one. So it is caucus time. Iowa caucus, first in the nation. Um, so that's kind of the big story um, going into today. But I'm so I'm I'm watching coverage. I don't know what we'll see um, while we're live. Um, so let's uh but let's get into it um we're not going to start with the iowa caucuses actually so we have some stories though and the first two off the docket we actually talked about last week and the first one <laughs> then we talked about i think i'm pretty sure we talked about ray epps because it was january 6th remember what we were talking about this stuff so let's talk about ray apps for a second Ray Epps only actually the DOJ rec only recommended six months in jail for Ray Epps. You know what he got? He didn't get any jail time. None. So he actually he got what was it let me see one second he had 12 months probation with zero jail time while so many other people from january 6 are sitting in jail cells definitely not a fed definitely can't be a fed um because they said he's not i mean when you know, he texted his nephew the day after. Um, so, he, so, so he was caught on video saying that on January, the day before January sixth, that that that, that uh, he couldn't say it because he would probably go to jail, but he wanted people to go into the Capitol. And then the day after January sixth, he actually texted his nephew and said he orchestrated it. Um, he's on video multiple times. Um, on the day of and the day before advocating for this yet he doesn't even get any jail time like what this doesn't make sense and if you don't know who we're talking about let's share this this is a montage of of Ray Epps. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say We need, we need to say. go. I'll say it. All right. We need to go in. Shut the fuck up, Boomer. To the Capitol. Based Fed posting? Yes. <laughs> we need to go to the Capitol. I didn't see that coming. Okay. Monument Hill. We are the day of. All right. No, Dave. But one more thing. Yes, we go up there? When we go in. Are we going to get arrested if we go up there? Yeah. You don't need to get Does shot. You arrest us all? 
if the dude's not a fed, please tell me why they are protecting him. Yeah, Eugene, you're absolutely right. So Eugene said people that weren't even at, even on January 6th are in jail too. Yeah. So the, um, actually the, the Enrique Otario, I think is what his name is. The, the, uh, the head of the Proud Boys is in jail. He was not even there at January 6th, but he was charged with seditious, seditious conspiracy, I believe. Um, and yet he's serving a long ass sentence when this guy who was seen on video telling people the night before that they were going to go in the Capitol. And then you see right before the gate, right before they, they move forward, he whispers something in that kid's ear right before they ran through the gate. There are people that are serving a long time in prison for January 6th. And this guy is not going to serve any time. And honestly, it's 12 months probation. It's probably going to be white from his record. Like nothing ever happened. Dude will probably change his name. So he's because he's one of the most famous people from January 6th. Um, one of the most talked about. And yet, I, I don't like this. Then the FBI doesn't even know how many people they had there that day. Um, but it is, it is quite interesting, but, um, I'm sure the FBI would know nothing, you know, nothing about, um, they would know absolutely nothing about, you know, setting people up. Um, they would know nothing about, um, you know, be like being so transparent that it's so easy to see. Um, which actually, I, I don't know if y'all saw this today. This was actually kind of funny because this kind of leads into it. The FBI. Let's talk about the FBI. Martin Luther King Day. Look what they put on their Twitter account on Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> on MLK Day. The FBI honors one of the most prominent leaders of the civil rights movement and reaffirms its commitment to Dr. King's legacy and fairness and equal justice for all. I love that they got community noted, though. Community note says the FBI engaged in surveillance of King, attempted to discredit him and use manipulation tactics to influence him to stop organizing. King's family believes and his family believes that the FBI was the one that is responsible for his death. It is interesting, right? So um, here's alleged. I don't know if this. So that is the that is the conspiracy, right? That the uh, the FBI was who orchestrated um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. So this apparently is when they tried to get him to commit suicide.
it said, look into your heart. You know you are a complete fraud and great liability to all of us Negroes. White people in this country have enough frauds of their own, but I am sure they don't have one. Um, yeah, and uh, let me see. Apparently this was... This is this is a, a a fake letter that they sent that the FBI sent to Martin Luther King in 1964. Um, so, where to go? Yeah, in 1964, the FBI director J. Edgar Hoover famously denounced King as the most notorious liar in the country. The agency had already been wiretapping King without a warrant for nearly a year, but now aligned upon an official policy to end his influence for good. Um, let's see. We had a pretty good... So for the people we had... Let me see. We had a pretty good video that we put out about this, too. Spoke out. MLK became dangerous singled out by faceless bureaucrats in a clandestine campaign against Dr. King, against an American citizen attempting to practice his First Amendment right to petition his government for a redress of his grievances, to peaceably assemble, to freely speak. A cabal of government agents with extraordinary discretionary power proceeded to stalk, persecute, and smear a man they viewed as an enemy to their interests. On October 10th, FBI head J. Edgar Hoover convinced the U.S. Attorney General, Robert F. Kennedy, to authorize wiretaps on MLK's phone, as well as on his nonprofit Southern Christian Leadership Conference. By December 1963, Hoover went well beyond what the Kennedy administration had authorized and began installing microphones in the hotel rooms King stayed in. Because he spoke out, MLK became dangerous, singled out by faceless bureaucrats in a clandestine. Oh, it started over. So, of course, it's nice to see the FBI getting dragged uh, for that. But I mean, going back to it, what we were talking about, Epps gets nothing. And yet, and yet, the next story that we kind of talked about last week. Moving on to the media coverage, yet we are deemed the conspiracy theorist. We're deemed conspiracy theorists for believing that there is an Epstein list. Why is Politico trying to cover up human trafficking? Why are they trying to say that there is no Epstein list? Is it because we know that Bill Clinton is listed multiple times in the documents? Like this is insane to me when publications say, <laughs> like, why are you uh... like, this is what they did with Sound of Freedom. Remember when, when Sound of Freedom came out, they deemed Sound of Freedom as this uh, right-wing conspiracy or to push right-wing conspiracies about human trafficking. I mean, human trafficking is real. We know it's real. And somehow they are trying to cover for it. Like, what gain do they have 
by doing this. Makes absolutely no sense to me. Does it make any sense to you? Well, probably not. I don't know. But for our first major story of the day, I wouldn't be a good libertarian if I didn't point this one out. The Federal Reserve ran its worst operating loss ever last year. In fact, they lost $114.3 billion for the full year. This is something that has never happened in the history of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has never actually lost money um, in a full year. Um, so apparently what happened when they, when they jacked up interest rates, so the Fed makes money and they are not a government agency, so they are not beholden to Congress. They can kind of do whatever the hell they want. Um, which is why we need to end the Fed because they are not, they are not, um, they're not beholden to Congress. So, which means that they're not beholden to the people of the United States. They are unelected bureaucrats, right? What happened is, but but the but the thing is, is they are unelected bureaucrats. But then they can increase our our national debt. So when they increased interest rates last year, um, so the way that the Fed makes money is they pay, um, they they buy interest-bearing deposits um, and securities, and so they bought a bunch of interest, like bearing, like they bought a bunch during during the COVID nineteen pandemic to try to stifle some of the inflation and, and try to ease the, the strain on the economy there. And then they jacked up interest rates, which means that when the interest rates went up, their securities were worth less, which means that they lost a ton of money. The thing is, is when they win, they actually pay in. They they paid all of their. Um, so at the end of the year, when they their their net positive, I think I actually think they do. They probably do it quarterly, but they pay into the. Um, they they pay all their their gains into the treasury. But when they lose, they basically write an IOU to the treasury to the American people and then basically the, the, the treasury has to go to Congress to get it approved for their operating budget, which means that the taxpayers end up footing the bill and it actually increases the national debt because the treasury has to, has to sell more, has to sell more of the debt um, as well. So if it continues to run at a loss, it will, affect the American taxpayer quite a bit. And this, again, I, I mean, right now they're, they're expecting to keep interest rates where they are. 
Um, they're going to keep them above 3.5%. And as long as they're above 3.5%, then they will continue to operate at a loss, which again, is something that has never happened um, until last year. Actually, 2022 was the first year that they had even ran, like had even missed a payment, had even had to suspend a payment to the treasury. And so this is just another reason why we need to end the Fed because they are not beholden to the American taxpayer. They can do whatever they want. Um, and they have such a large control over our economy, and yet they don't do anything. They, they, they literally control the entire economy because they control the interest rates. Why an unelected, unrepresentative organization such as this exists, I don't know. But honestly, if you end the Fed, you end the wars, you end all this fictitious spending that we're doing, and we might possibly save the Republic, which is kind of it's in a bad place. When, when we're, what, $32, 34000000000000 trillion in debt? I mean, seems like a good time to, like I said, let's just end them. End the Fed. You know. Um, but, yeah. Another, so this next story, though, so we got another story. This next story is absolutely insane to me. I think it's insane to everybody. So it turns out the Federal Aviation Agency prioritizes and is actively recruiting people with severe intellectual and psychiatric disabilities as part of divert of, as part of its diversity, equity, and inclusion plan. And if you don't believe me, I mean, I, I wrote this story yesterday and it's kind of started to spread quite a bit. And I, it doesn't make me feel safer to fly. And I fly quite a bit, but after what happened with the Alaskan Airlines plane, and then what happened? Then we then we then we found out that what five more planes on United had had seal issue like had it like were had the door plugs that were loose. And then we find out Boeing had. I mean, it may not have anything to do with this, but with their DEI program. But when we find out that you know Boeing has a very heavy DEI program. Let's see what is it you can see it's one of their biggest things that they they're looking for is to um is is to you know boost dei in their organizations not hire the best quality um pretty sure that's not what we want when you know one's wrong move causes people to die. I mean, really, what, what is it going to take before we realize that this is not how we should be doing stuff? But it, 
if I mean, if you don't, the FAA, the FAA is who controls um, like air traffic control um, people. Like that's who they hire. And after it was found out that last year, let me see where is it. There was 19 near misses at airports last year, which is the highest they've ever had. Um, we also know that another American United airplane was forced to land because it had gotten a um, an open door warning, which apparently this was a Airbus, so it wasn't even a Boeing plane, but it was an Airbus. Um, it, it's it's insane to me, but. If you don't, if you don't believe my reporting, this is this is what's key here. If you don't believe my reporting, just go to their website, the Federal Aviation Administration. You can go to their diversity and inclusion section under jobs, and it says, "Let me see." Um, They say, go under people with disabilities. It says individuals, <laughs> individuals with targeted or severe disabilities are the most under underrepresented segment of the federal workforce. Now you could say that this is like just people with like uh, movement disabilities or, or stuff like that, which that would be a little bit different. Um, like if you, if you're in a wheelchair or um, that type of disability, no, which sure. But then you go in and see they're, so they say their Peoples with Disabilities program ensures that people with disabilities have equal employment opportunities. The FAA actively recruits, hires, promotes, retains, develops, and advances people with disabilities, which, okay, again, that's not sounding so, I mean, it's, it's, it's still giving people preferential treatment, but they, because they put an emphasis on it, but still got it. Here we go. Targeted disabilities. Targeted disabilities are those disabilities that the federal government, as a matter of policy, has identified for special emphasis. Special emphasis in recruiting and hiring. So not just like just like watch for it, like, but special emphasis in recruiting and hiring. They include hearing. Okay. Well, if you're but if, if, if you're hearing impaired and you're working on a flight line, I, I don't think that's going to be a good thing for you. And it could cause issues. Maybe vision. If you can't see a plane, how, how are you going to work the stuff? If you, if you have vision impairments and you like, you can't see what's going on. Missing extremities, partial paralysis, complete paralysis epilepsy like what if you're working in an air control tower and you have a seizure what happens like is there somebody there to take over for you what about it being a 
a, a pilot and having epilepsy and you have a seizure while flying an aircraft full of people. But what really gets me, what really gets me is these next ones. Severe intellectual disability. Severe intellectual disabilities. Intellectual meaning the brain, meaning you, you don't think right, right? That's crazy to me. Psychiatric disability and dwarfism, where I don't know where dwarfism is not one that I'm even looking at, but psychiatric disability. So if you have like heavy depression or heavy anxiety or, um, I don't know, psychosis or what is it? Um, like so sociopathy or psychopathy or any of those things. Those would be like psychiatric disabilities, right? So why, again, would you put them in a place where people's lives are on the line? I don't get this. Now, okay, they want to go and actively target these, these, these people with disabilities to hire them. And it's not so much like if they're qualified or they're the best. It's, it's not even if they're the best candidate for the job. Because look at the next spot. They also have a non-competitive hiring method, which means if one person with one of these disabilities applies for a position, a manager can just go in and say, you know what? We're not even going to look at anybody else. You're hired because it's on the spot hiring. So it's with veterans and anybody with these individual disabilities, which I listed above. So somebody with a severe intellectual disability can get hired on the spot without even looking at anybody else who may be, may or may not be more qualified. That is giving preferential treatment to uh, people who maybe shouldn't be working in some of these positions. You know, it, it, it baffles me that they would even list severe intellectual disabilities or psychiatric disabilities on their website. So this isn't just me saying it. This is the FAA's own website showing what's going on. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. Um, I think um, Rob Schneider, the comedian actually said this uh said this very well um in this clip he's on the money the ceo of the airlines last month the ceo he announced of all the hiring for all the new pilots that are coming up this year all the hiring for the new pilots the main focus is going to be diversity what <laughs> main focus diversity not the best pilots you can find <laughs> The ones with the most hours of experience. Ones you go before. Nope, diversity. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of flying all the time with these white pilots landing safely and on time. <laughs> Boring. The CEO. Me is right. 
Why would that be the number one concern with your hiring practices? Diversity. And then another tone deaf thing, and I think they deleted it though, was United Airlines, again, it was either United or American posted a video or posted a picture of an all-female flight crew. Like that was something that they should be like highlighting. I mean, if they're the best people for the job, that's fine. But why is it highlighted as something special or spectacular? Um, I mean, this is where I would insert a, you know, sexist joke about women, women driving, but I'm not going to do that tonight because, yeah, might get in trouble for that one, but you know, um, <laughs> yeah, makes absolutely no sense. Um, so moving on, um, on rumble, Bones Mama One says, well, how close we are to war really feels like it's going to be done regardless of what we want. I think it's uh, talking, when we were talking about the, uh, the end of the Republic, which is true, which, God, mm, if you didn't see, yeah, we're, we're, war seems to be imminent. Which would be just kind of the thing to do to try to rally people around you in an election year, right? Going to war. Um, because this week, this weekend, the U.S. and the U.K. Um, launched airstrikes in Yemen. Without congressional approval, we launched airstrikes in Yemen. Here, watch. So that's one. Um, before this, so they, I mean, they, they basically the Houthis, which Donald Trump listed the Houthis as a terrorist organization. The day after President Biden took over, he reversed that decision, calling saying they're not a terrorist organization. And then now, he, three years later, strikes them, like hits them with airstrikes. And now, in apparent escalation, that's why we should never be over there in the first place, um, Tulsi Gabbard was actually on Fox News, and she nails it with this. Um, and she's right. She says, what they are doing now here appears not to be well thought out, thought out at all. So here we go. For Tulsi, one of the Houthi leaders anticipated the attacks. And as I said, warned earlier today that any American attack will not remain without a response. 
Um, they said that they're not afraid of confronting Americans. And this follows the Iranian seizure of that crude oil ship um, earlier today, where you know that seemed to change the tone of things and the trajectory of things from this administration standpoint. But we, we don't have a commander in chief, at least that we can see, they've called a lit at the White House, which concerns a number of our guests tonight, Tulsi. Yeah, Laura, you know, my, my great concern, both as a soldier who serves in the Army Reserve, a veteran uh, for over 20 years and multiple deployments to different war zones, is how short-sighted, incompetent, and lack of caring that this administration, the Biden-Harris administration has for our own national security and the American people. Uh, you know, what, what they are doing here now appears to be not well thought out at all or considering what the ramifications of this will be and how it serves our national security interests, just like they didn't think through what the ramifications would be of taking the Houthis off of the terrorist list a few years ago, just like they didn't consider the ramifications of giving Iran over $6 billion, much of which is going not to the well-being and humanitarian interests of the Iranian people as they, they were promised, but to fund these terrorist groups like the Houthis to do exactly what they are doing, threatening global commerce and peace. We have a Secretary of Defense who was hospitalized for five days and the White House uh, leaders in the Pentagon, the National Security Council, the president himself had no idea. It's hard to convey this frustration, both as an American, but also as a soldier. How is this even possible coming from our leaders in the Pentagon and the president of the United States who already turned off the lights for the night, even as our military is taking action overseas. So we should all be very concerned right now about the consequences of such a short-sighted administration who undermines our national security at every turn in the decisions that they are making overseas, but also in the decisions that they're making here at home. And you talked a little bit about this before. Tens of thousands or thousands and tens of thousands of people are streaming, streaming across our borders into our country with no vetting whatsoever. And we know that that includes people who are terrorists who seek to do harm to the American people right here at home. Yeah. So Tulsi is absolutely right. They don't seem to understand how... This is this is one thing I don't think um, I don't think a lot of even Americans understand like how these types of things escalate, and now it seems to be that you know the Biden administration and the neocons um, and the neo you know the war hawks all the war hawks in the deep state are getting exactly what they want because about an hour before coming on. Um, before coming on live tonight, now we have Iran. Iran has um, responded to these attacks and um, has reportedly attacked our consulate in Iraq. Let me say that again. Iran has now taken a direct action against a U.S. asset in its neighboring country of Iraq. Here.
So how will this escalate? It's interesting that this is happening now. Like if you've watched my stuff for a little while, you know that I, I have said, I realize we've, we've destabilized as, as a veteran myself. I realized one of the reasons when I got out of the military, I realized one of the reasons, the actual reason that we went into Iraq in the first place was because we already had Afghanistan on the right and to the left of Iran was Iraq. In military terms, that's called the double flank. So you have a very strategic position to be able to launch attacks against Iran at any given time. So the only reason why we went into Iraq in the first place was to keep Iran in check. And look what's, look what, look what's happened. We shouldn't have been in there in the first place. And now we had an opportunity to basically withdraw from Iraq, withdraw from Afghanistan, withdraw from the region and not be the world's police. And now we are stoking the fires and escalating conflict with basically Iran. This has the makings to turn into a full regional conflict with what's going on in Israel, between Israel and, and Hamas, um, what's going on, I mean, you know, Jordan and Turkey and all, the, I mean, Turkey's, who knows where Turkey would go with this. I, I know some Turkish soldiers from when I was in the military because they were foreign exchange students. So we have a decent relationship with Turkey. But if something happened in that region, it's just unpredictable. And all those countries, they kind of flow the same. A lot of them believe the same type of stuff. Um, it's hard to think that if Iran is moving to attack U.S. troops in the region, that this isn't going to turn into an entire regional conflict. Which means more dead U.S. soldiers, because the only way to fight this is to put boots on the ground. And... One of the reasons why, you know, I'm not I'm not opposed to a Donald Trump presidency, and he's probably one of my leaders in this in this primary, is because he did not start any new wars or escalate any violence like this. It doesn't it, it doesn't make sense, um, and it does scare me knowing that I have a lot of friends that are still serving in the military who I would not want to see them go into a kinetic war, into a linear battlefield situation with a country like Iran, even though the, the U.S. military has been trained for decades about that type of war every single you know military um training exercise is is based off of a fictitious country which is very widely known to be 
a mock of Iran. It's not it's not a real country, but it's basically laying laying the plans to do this. Um, so, yeah, this is not something that anybody should be celebrating. But then uh, again, in these even in the Republican primary, you have. Nikki Haley, who I'm on Rand Paul's side with this and being never Nikki, I would never vote for somebody like that. I would never vote for anybody who was a neocon or advocated war. Like this is my red line issue when it comes to voting. We don't need to be sending U.S. troops around the world. We don't need to be dropping, dropping bombs in Yemen. No. How about we just stay out of the region, not, you know, escalate conflict in the region. How about we do that? How about we try that? How about we try that for maybe 10 years? How's this? How about we try just leaving them alone for like 10 years? Would that work? Could, could we do that? Maybe we would see things actually, you know, change, you know, we wouldn't be involved. We wouldn't even be, you know, it seems like we've been on the cusp of, of war for years now, which is actually really interesting because, you know, the, uh, the Biden administration also changed its tune recently this week, um, actually this weekend. Whereas they had previously assured, uh, previously President Biden had said that we would strike militarily in, um, we we would defend Taiwan militarily if China were to invade, um, and then a um, a separate like a a pro separatist uh, separate nation president was put in this weekend. Biden was asked if we would support Taiwan. Um, and basically Biden said, no, we do not support ind an independent Taiwan. So is he going back on his word that we would actually militarily defend Taiwan? Is he giving now free control to China to attack Taiwan and basically take the nation by force? Interesting. I don't know. Um, I think this administration does stuff just haphazardly and they don't really know. I mean, the Biden administration doesn't even know where the secretary of defense is. He was in the hospital, like getting like treatment. And the president of the United States didn't even know that his secretary of defense is in the hospital. How does that happen? How does it happen? And then while the secretary of defense is in the hospital, <laughs> we're dropping bombs in Yemen. Who's ordering that? Who's, who's monitoring the situation? They said that the person who's in the hospital probably hopped up on pain medications because they just had surgery, which is the secretary of 
defense, Lloyd Austin, um, was watching from his room. He was probably watching CNN. That's what I'm telling you. He's probably watching CNN. But I do know that they probably they have like secret rooms like that have like zipper lines or security clearance lines. Um, but still, come on now, come on now. Here we go. So lastly for the night, let's talk about what's going on in Iowa. And the biggest thing I, I do want to talk about is obviously we're going to talk Vivek Ramaswamy and Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy. It's really interesting to see Vivek getting the Ron Paul treatment. Now I've, I've said um, a couple months ago that Vivek was doing the work. He was going to libertarians. He was, he was doing the work. Um, and now he was, ha I, I saw that he was basically having, he was kind of having that Rand Paul or that Ron Paul revolution moment. And I still think that he is kind of pushing now he's not Ron Paul in terms of principles or policy. So don't, don't get that mistaken. But I do think that he is he is an inspiring he's inspiring people um, with his messaging and his work ethic and and just kind of being the outsider underdog candidate um, and so I think that he's having a big impact today. Um, well, one and then so Donald Trump kind of what went after him a little bit today. I. It's so funny because when, uh, one of my friends pointed this out online. If you actually look at like what Donald Trump's saying about Vivek, it's very um, – he's almost treating him with kid gloves, right? His attacks are not really like as pointed or as, as harsh as they are with others. It's like he has to just because, but there's also the sense that he may see – Vivek as a threat. I also think that um, Trump actually does better if Vivek is in the race than if he's not. And the reason I say that, Vivek might pull some some people from Trump who would normally vote for Trump, but um, he's also pulling, I mean, but Ron DeSantis is, people that are saying that Ron DeSantis is their second choice, um, he's actually pulling the highest in the second choice candidate. So it's like... Um, Vivek is probably pulling a lot of voters from that because Vivek is in second place when it comes to the second choice, like who people's second choices are. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, but what's really even more interesting and it really shows that I think that Vivek is actually going to, is going to, is going to do, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to punch above the belt um, in the cock in the Iowa caucuses because the mainstream media is now giving him the Ron Paul treatment. Um, when you look at, so here is, this is, what, Fox, no, this is CNN. They show Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis and pulling at one and 1% Asa Hutchinson on their screen, but they leave out Vivek who is pulling well above Hutchinson. So they're, 
purposely leaving out Vivek. Like this is this is purposeful. They they know that he could be a threat. And it's really interesting. I was watching uh, just before going on. I have um, some stuff pulled up and it looks like on CBS they're 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 pushing Haley on CBS. I was in the car dealership um, a couple weeks ago and the, the people on The View were pushing Haley. Um, there's reports now that Democrats are switching over to Republican for a day to vote for Haley. Um, it's like. She's now bragging that a lot of her donations are coming from Democrats. So I don't, I, it's obviously, it's obvious that they know that Vivek is a, is a, is a challenger to a possible Haley second place. And so now they're cutting him out like they did Ron Paul. Um, yeah, Jen, um, Jen McMahon says the United States needs an efficient, needs an efficiency expert more than anything. And I think Vivek Ramaswamy is that person. I agree. I think, I think, um, I don't, people are saying Vivek for, um, for VP. I don't think if Trump wins, I don't think Vivek is a VP is is his VP candidate? Um, I definitely don't think it's it's Haley, which people are saying even more. Like they're saying that Trump's not ruling out Haley, but he's they they've specifically said it won't be Vivek. Um, I don't think it would ever be Haley in his right mind. I think that's a one way ticket to. I don't even want to say on this. I think the deep state would not um, would not allow. That to, that to take place, if you get what I'm saying, after the election, um, I think the deep state would uh, would not like that very much. So I don't think Trump would actually do that um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, but I do think that he he holds a high seat in the cabinet. What that is, I'm not sure. Um, but I think he does. Where I think, um, I mean, I have, I have some of the cabinet spots where I think that people are actually gonna, would be, would make good cabinet, cabinet, uh, cabinet positions. Um, I just, I, I can't place where Ramaswamy would be, but I do see him, in a potential Trump administration, just being where he's where he's been. Um, but here we go. We look at this is Fox News. Fox News again. Trump, Haley, DeSantis, no Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek was on Fox News, and then they didn't even have him on. The graphic. He was on Fox News this morning. They didn't have him on the graphic. Um, New York Times, same thing. Not in the top. Even though, I, what is it? He's polling at like 8 to 10% or something like that. I think in the last poll, it was an NBC poll that we reported on yesterday. Trump was at 48% of the vote. Haley was at 20%. 
DeSantis was at 16. I think Vivek was at eight. I think um, Hutchinson was at one. The thing about this too, though, is that You know, I, I I don't I don't think it matters that much. Like I said, I think polls are going to be really skewed a little bit. I don't see I don't see Haley getting. I, I think she's going to be the dis, there, She's not going to get it. Get get the get the results that she thinks. It's a it's a fight. Everybody's fighting for second place, um, but Trump's going to win hands down uh by a lot um and and so it's gonna be interesting i mean haley and this is again this is actually where ron DeSantis um put most like all most of his eggs were in iowa and he's he's lucky to even possibly get third place so we'll see what happens here i don't know when the results are going to start pouring in let me see if they're starting to starting to come up right now though but th this is kind of what we've been seeing all day we've been seeing um in a text message voter in ap well ap and fox news teamed up with this voter attitude and it was only the top three so by keeping people's names off of these types of things, it shows that they're the only ones that people see as viable. And so it, it reduces like name recognition and stuff. This is what libertarian candidates and stuff like that have to deal with. So like when you see a national poll, they don't even ever like put the libertarian, like unless the libertarian pays to get their name put on it, they, they don't put the libertarian candidate on there. Um, Let me see. NBC. Check this out, though. Chris Christie dropped out of the race, by the way. NBC now, and, and he's still on this on this list. But it's like they put Vivek at the bottom below Christie and Hutchinson. Like, this isn't, this isn't in alphabetical order or anything. This is literally very... It's it's a marketing tactic, right? So if you ever, like think about it like at the grocery store, right? If you look at a grocery store shelf, like your middle of the road items that they want to sell the most of are at eye level because that's where people see. People look at the top of these these things these these things the first, and then they scroll down. Whereas when you look at the shelf, that's what you they want to sell the most of. Top shelf is the most expensive. And then the cheap stuff is actually at the bottom because they want to sell the most of the medium price stuff because of supply and demand and, and cost fixing and structures and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's clear that this isn't polling position Any small advantage they can get their candidate of choice. They will take, um, And then you have like different polls have who do you think will do the best? Vivek Ramaswamy is 71%. Like 
obviously these are non-scientific polls when they're done on social media, but still. Um, it's, it is interesting because what was shown in the poll yesterday from NBC was that Trump supporters, Trump has the most enthusiastic supporters. And I don't know, I guess it's, it's awful weather in Iowa. So it's going to like, people are going to have to be enthusiastic about their candidate to go out and do it. It was like Trump's people were like 86% of them were like very enthusiastic where like Haley's were like 30% were very enthusiastic where actually a large portion were kind of saying that they were holding their nose to vote for Haley. Um, same with the Santa supporters. Um, Vivek actually had a, had a high, actually they didn't, they didn't pull, no, they didn't pull Vivek's supporters, um, on that. They only pulled the top three, but it's like, doesn't matter. Um, let's see what is actually, what did Vivek say? The latest one is in Iowa and the best sign is the eight. I think we're having a late surge here in Iowa and the best sign is the attacks and the desperate smear attempts just keep going up. The latest one is that I invested in a company, one of the hundreds of companies I've invested in, that develops lipid nanoparticles that that company did. Accurate. Well, guess what? Lipid nanoparticles are these just chemicals that are used for a wide range of things. Some for medicine, some for vaccines, a wide range of things. And it turns out that company is suing Moderna because Moderna is one of the many companies that stole its technology to make the COVID vaccine, one of the thousand components that went into the COVID vaccine. So there, that's a story. They try to use that as some sort of smear campaign, put some overlay of some ominous music over it. Don't fall for their trick. We can't play this games. We have a country to save tonight and I'm asking you to get out there and do the right thing for our country. Vote for me at the Iowa caucus. That's what I'm asking for. Don't fall for the tricks and you know you're smart enough to see through that. If they're coming. It is interesting, right? You see just how I, I think what impresses people the most about Vivek and like completely is that he he knows how to talk to people, he knows how to interact with people. Um, it's funny watching the difference between like Vivek, DeSantis, Trump, and Haley. Whereas I think I don't think Haley does anything. I think she just literally has her security throw hecklers out of um, of events. Ron DeSantis argues with them and calls them rude. Trump's funny. He uh, he always has comebacks for hecklers and 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 kind of makes them look like fools. But Vivek does one thing that I've never seen anybody actually do, and he does it with um, he does it very well, and that is. Um, he gives the mic to people who have grievances, who want to heckle him. He will give them the mic, make a deal, and then have the conversation with them. And it's and it's one of those things that it's it's really interesting and beautiful to watch, um, which I've never seen any politician ever do. Which he's not really a politician, so maybe that's why it's uh, it's so impressive. But. Um, yeah. So 
That's the show. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know when we're going to know anything more about this uh, this race. It's going to be interesting to watch. But that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go kind of watch uh, to see what's going on. I hope y'all have a good night. I do thank you for joining me um, this evening. Um, we will um, be back next week, unless you hear differently from me. You know, go uh, make if you haven't yet, make sure you click that like and subscribe button below. Follow me across all social media platforms, and I will see you next time.